Hi, everyone, and thanks so much for subscribing and tuning in to the ShareGiving podcast. The podcast can be found wherever podcasts are distributed, and prior episodes are also housed on our website, along with lots of archival video and other interesting and relevant material at ShareGiverSolutions.com. Please tell your friends about us, particularly those who find themselves in a similar situation of caring for a family member living with dementia. I'm Rob Stoller, your host, along with my brother David, who has been caring for his wife, Barbara, since she was diagnosed with early-onset Alzheimer's over a decade ago. Our last episode looked at the first primary focus of the ShareGiving approach to family member dementia caregiving, mindset. And while there is so much more to be explored and discussed regarding mindset, today we're going to dig a little deeper into the second aspect of the ShareGiving approach, game plan. As the name implies, this is where one develops a strategy for planning activities, scheduling everything that takes place from morning to night, daily, weekly, monthly, as well as long-term. Understanding about best laid plans and such, the game plan brings structure and purpose to each day, with rationale behind each event and activity for the shareGiver as well as the partner. David, Let's talk about game plan. Okay. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, so uh, we think of it as a game plan almost like you would, uh, you know, when you're planning you know, a, a competition, going in with a game plan, going in with an idea of what you want to accomplish, how you're going to do it, and uh, what are the tools that you need to do that. So, um, and we think of this as not as a game, but as something that requires a strategy. Because at the end of the day, the ShareGiver wants to be successful. He wants to be successful in the, the care he's providing. He wants to be successful in his own life. While being a ShareGiver, he wants to flourish uh, as he would doing anything. So uh, let's break it down you know, the way we think about creating a game plan. The first thing um, I would say as an exercise, it'll be abbreviated here, but we'll, we can go into it in more detail later on, but is uh, identifying sort of an operating framework, a belief framework for the ShareGiver. What, uh, what defines success for the ShareGiver? It's a question worth looking at. What is my purpose in doing this? And what would be really important to achieve if I'm successful? In to it? stay with the game metaphor, how do you win? Yeah. Yeah, what is a win? What are the key elements that constitute a win? And once you can identify those, then what enables that? What do you need in order to win? in order to execute successfully that strategy. What are the preconditions for that? And then you can organize yourself to make sure you have those things that would enable you. What are uh, failure factors? What are the kind of things that would cause you to fail, not succeed in that strategy? And similarly, what are the key success elements that you know, could almost assure that you're gonna be successful? And it seems to me that the long-term game plan doesn't change much over the course of the care. 
because you still want your partner to have the highest quality of life and you want your own life to be as enriched as it can be. But on in the short term, from a day-to-day standpoint, week-to-week, month-to-month, I would think your game plan depends largely on where you are in the arc of this right. disease and treatment. Right, So, which is a great point. So first, we're sort of establishing the basis for a strategy uh, for that game plan. And by the way, as we all know, if you do have a strategy, if you've thought it through and what's important in order to be successful, you feel like you're more likely to be successful. It brings its own confidence. The second thing, as you mentioned, is understanding the situation. Um, To be effective as a shareholder, you uh, need to have some understanding of the condition of your partner. Um, You don't need to be a scientist. And goodness knows, this is a disease, uh, dementia, in its various forms, that has defied a cure and is obviously very complex. But it behooves the caregiver to know as much as he or she can about the condition, which means talking to the, uh, your partner's primary care physician. If there's a neurologist that's been involved or a therapist, talking to them with permission, uh, which is another thing that you should make sure that you are uh, legally able to uh, find out confidential information about your partner, which uh, means uh, having a a directive or having a power of attorney. And that's another subject we'll get to. But so you want to understand as much as you can about the condition of your partner, what, uh, what is the path that he or she is on. And incidentally, for our listeners, uh, these first few podcasts are essentially uh, conversations between David and me uh, about his situation and the situation 16 million other people find themselves in. Um, But uh, David's a voracious reader. He's got a stack of books written by experts from all different aspects of dementia care, and we will be presenting many of these people as guests on this podcast. Um, but this is just a, and it was still in the introductory stage of what Sharegiver Solutions is about. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, knowledge that we hope to tap, all with the focus of empowering and enabling the Sharegiver to be uh, most effective. So back on game plan, first you're going to you're going to learn as much as you can about the condition. You're going to have talked to legal, medical, financial representatives that are uh, providing some form of assistance or support to your partner so that you have uh, a good awareness of the, the a snapshot of the condition. And then you're going to construct out of that, having done your own sort of self-analysis and an analysis of your uh, partner's condition, you're going to create a game plan. And that game plan, I think of it most easily as a whiteboard, a whiteboard that I actually have, as you know, in my mudroom downstairs that Barbara never tires of looking at, Mm. which 
down the right side of it will have all of the things that I want to refer to as I'm designing an activity plan. And that is intellectual, social, emotional, spiritual, physical, uh, dietary, things that I want to keep in mind. And Now, it, it, I'm sure. Uh, I've seen the whiteboard. Uh, I looked at it last week. I know the whiteboard today uh, bears little resemblance to the whiteboard as it initially was created Years by ago. you. Sure. So as, as succinctly as you can, talk about how that whiteboard has changed, why it's changed, and maybe the whiteboard we see now reflects activities that you're interested in that Barbara can enjoy as opposed to originally activities Barbara was interested in that you could enjoy. Uh, it's a great question. Um, how has it changed from years ago? Because I've been doing this probably for five years. When did you start doing it? I mean, I would say that I started doing it um, about three years ago. Yeah, right after we got back from a healing trip to Peru, uh, which was interesting in and itself. And the reason that's the line of demarcation is that no sooner did we get back that Barbara had a bad fall. Uh, fractured uh, two bones in her sacrum and ended up in rehab for almost five weeks. Mm. And when she came out of that, she suffered a, a significant change, which uh, some attribute to a phenomenon called, you know, hospital delirium, uh, where after a stay like that, the disorientation is so significant that for some people that are then predisposed, it's permanently disorienting. And mm. I think that's what happened to Barbara, very sadly. Um, but that's when I started uh, cre keeping the chart. So it's, I'd say, three years. <clears throat> Initially, uh, I was <clears throat> very ambitious. I had... You're still very ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's uh, likely to stay with me, hopefully for a while, yeah. Uh, I had each category that I wanted to address in a daily plan. And I had it hour by hour by hour by hour. Um, and um, it was interesting because it caused me to really learn about various activities and how they could help both pass the time as well as be nourishing in some way. I think. As a general matter, the way it's changed over time, over the last three years, now going to a fourth year, is that uh, in two ways. Number one, uh, I had to keep an open mind of what works and what doesn't work. Those things that Barbara doesn't want to do, uh, don't push it, is what I have learned. Uh, better that she be happy and comfortable, not that I allow her to do anything that might be endangering or of course um, inappropriate but I've, I've I've reduced the you know frequency of uh, events and of change now are there things that Barbara had enjoyed doing that she no longer enjoys yeah I think uh, one big one for example is cooking or baking mm. which she oh used, she made great cookies yeah her chocolate chip cookies were famous. No, she's just not interested. 
anymore in that. Uh, helping me organize things, uh, which I felt would be, you know, I interesting and useful from a cognitive point of view, not really interested anymore. Then again, there are certain things that were obviously really interesting, and I emphasize them disproportionately now, music being a big one and an obvious one for people. I think we all uh, come to understand how valuable and important. And with Alexa, it's possible to create different game lists or listening opportunities during the day, which uh, and I now have it on all day. So we'll listen to the Broadway channel and then we'll listen to 60s and then we'll listen to the Beatles channel and then we'll, you know, have a podcast on that even if the podcast may be beyond Barbara's comprehension, she'll listen. She likes having a broadcast. Mm. And so I've found that that's been, you know, really important in terms of occupying her in a way that I think nourishes her. Last week, before we started recording, Barbara was dancing. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I remember music actually playing or whether she was just no, dancing. Music to would, would have been playing. And, uh, you know, so for example, in the morning when uh, she gets up, comes downstairs, what do I play? The Beach Boys. And she is dancing, uh, you know, right off. And it's an interesting point because what I've come to understand about her condition is that her memory is gone, you know, for the most part. And uh, uh, her language is also significantly diminished, mm. uh, even though she has lots of words. But what doesn't appear, what appears to be relatively intact or important is her sense of rhythm. So in her words, I find her words have sort of a staccato. Mm. She gets into the rhythm and the more she speaks, the more she gets into the rhythm. And sometimes she gets so into it that she gets very dramatic, like she's doing a monologue, like she used to do many as yeah. an actor. And I think you've seen that. Uh, her friends certainly see it, where she all sudden is like Shakespearean, even though it's incoherent. Oh, she speaks passionately. Yeah. Uh, similarly, uh, <clears throat> music, dance. She hears music and she dances, and she dances to the music. Her sense of rhythm is really strong. Uh, relatedly, um, she loves listening to poetry, so that's become a big part of our routine. Well, it also happens to coincide with my interests, both stuff I'm writing or that I want to read to her, and she would listen, you know, for as long as I want to read, so that becomes a significant activity. Spiritual. We have Shabbat, you know, services now by Zoom every Friday night, where she loves uh, listening because the prayers have a rhythm. The words are familiar, and they are, uh, they are provided musically. So uh, it's no surprise to me now, understanding this, that she would enjoy the prayers and the music associated with a spiritual practice, which I have to think also has spiritual benefit to her just through reciting what she's been reciting for years. Well, a, a profound experience for me when, when we lost our dad almost a year and a half ago, yeah. and you had a shiva service 
at your house, and um, Barbara was seemingly essentially as incoherent as she seems now, um, but she knew the prayers, right. which blew my mind. I didn't know them, yeah. but she knew them um, and and knew them from, you know, her very foundation, which is extraordinary. And I guess it goes to the music, too, that she can still remember and lyrics she can still remember uh, from James Taylor or the Beatles, but right. that uh, the the religious prayers are deeply embedded. Right. So, you know, as far as a game plan and planning activities of uh, normal living, and there's a list of those that you can get from, you know, Alzheimer's uh, Association of various activities that you want to make sure somebody is doing or has some awareness of or has a lack of awareness of, which itself is indicative of change changing condition. Um, I think the first and foremost is uh, not, there's no specific recipe that is for everybody. You have to have an open mind. You have to continually see what works. Um, and over time, and this is really goes to the core of the Sharegiver solution, and we'll come to it, those activities should be things, each of them, that is nourishing to and interesting to the Sharegiver. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor. The Sharegiver Solutions podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at Happier at Home Care, a 27-year-old family-owned and operated business based in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. They're a home care agency that offers in-home companion care, live-in and overnight care, and non-medical care, as well as one-to-one care in facilities. Owned by Pat and Lisa Morvillo, Happier at Home Care is hands-on and full-service, providing background checks, bonding, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Extremely reliable and responsive, they can be reached at 267-742-3209. Again, Happier at Home Care. So it is really sharing the experience. It's not just putting something, you know, on the record player, for those that still remember those things, <laughs> and going and doing something else, going away. It is sharing the experience. Right. Taking and the opportunity. If, if, if you're not engaged as the sharegiver, it's not going to have the same effect as if you are sharing. Yeah, and not, and not just for the person uh, that you're sharing with, your partner, but for yourself. Right. So when you ask how that's where the engage that's the engagement yeah, I'm how talking has it about changed over time. And this goes back to our discussions on mindset. Of course, if the sharegiver has a growth mindset, that means that he wants to feed his curiosity. He or she wants to be learning, wants to be growing, wants to be developing, uh, which is exciting. And this is what I see as flourishing. You do it by sharing these activities. So the music. You, so what am I doing now? For example, I'm going through my jazz collection and my classical music collection that I've never really applied any particular organization to. And I'm learning. And uh, Barbara's listening. She's enjoying. But I'm taking stock of and, and learning about things that I was curious about. You know, what really differentiates uh, Charlie the Bird Parker, you know, and listening to 
uh, you know, Mozart's violin concertos and uh, listening to La Traviata. And, you know, so while I am engaging Barbara in an activity that she uh, has a predisposition towards, I'm nourishing my own interest as well. Well, and it, it still, for me, goes back to the issue of being that curious person who wants to not only learn about about the disease about your partner but learn about yourself learn ways of expanding your own experience your own knowledge and again i it i'm not sure how you teach curiosity Mm. how you teach the thirst for knowledge how you teach the desire to be more but clearly the greater your desire to be more uh, the greater the quality of your yes. care. So I think one important aspect is if you understand that by practicing it, you're going to be happier. By connecting that which may not come naturally to you or not something you've practiced, but you now understand that it is directly tied to your own sense of competence and accomplishment and awareness and happiness, then you're going to try it out. I mean, uh, other things, for example, with Barbara that have uh, that she is doing with my initiative that align with my interest that she likes gardening, you know, so we've created a garden outside. That's Uh, an understatement. (laughs) (laughs) We've created a pretty cool garden. Uh, I did it because, number one, it involved activity that even if Barbara was still a little reluctant to get her hands dirty, let's face it. Uh, but she tags along. And I thought, wow, a garden, that'd be cool because we'll do something additional, additional or different every season, and she'll have a chance to see change and maybe measure it or be aware of it in some way, which would be useful. And then uh, we put paths in it. So, uh, well, you know, for our mom, who's wheelchair bound, but, you know, would enjoy the garden and other friends that I have and maybe including ourselves in another 20 years. Please. So you can get through the garden. But what am I doing in that garden? I'm running with her. So we jog on this path and we stop at stones and we do push-ups on the stone. So where she sees it now as much a fitness you know, opportunity as a garden. Now, I have to say, probably as a a warning shot, that I know there was a time that either you've come to prevent or not that Barbara was pulling flowers out of the garden, (laughs) pulling the heads off flowers. That's maybe why there are no flowers in this particular (laughs) garden. Uh, And if we ever visit you, anyone in the listening audience, and you have live flowers that you care about... I'd sort of remove them during the visit. Yes. Uh, well, one of the characteristics of, and, and, and it's worth uh, talking about, uh, people with dementia often are attracted to objects. They wander. They'll wander inside. They'll wander outside. They'll pick up anything that catches their attention. They'll put it down somewhere else. They might, you know, disfigure it like flowers or like a book or like maybe my favorite book that all of a sudden doesn't have the, you know. <laughs> the La- last chapter. Yeah, or the last chapter. 
those are things that, and this is part of mindset. This goes very much part right? of of course. And so when those things happen now, as opposed to originally, when it might happen originally, like that precious, you know, calla lily that you just bought that is now, you know, beheaded. Um, I could have said at one time, "How could you do that?" I don't say that. Yeah, I know how she could do it, and it doesn't help. I get upset. She gets upset, and the calla lily is still beheaded. That's it's an essential aspect of mindset. And I know, again, as to the flowers, uh, you had told me at the time you started buying plastic flowers. Correct. <laughs> that's. Uh, I guess that's a, a workaround. A horrible thing. Is that a workaround? <laughs> is that a workaround? So if you, yeah, it's a workaround. So yeah, if you're driving past my house and you see all the flower boxes and, and hanging baskets. They all look beautiful, and they'll look beautiful for four seasons um, and relatively impervious to, you know, Barbara's snatching hands, or even if they get snatched, which they do, you know, they're more easily replaceable. But uh, so, yeah, back to the game plan. We have evolved so that we've evolved away from certain things like learning exercises that I was really excited about. I still am. For other caregivers who are dealing with a condition that's, you know, much less advanced than mine, where I do think the idea of spaced retrieval learning, where you can, with very simple numbers, sequence one, two, three, or blocks or pictures, and then recalling them shortly after, stimulates cognition and is fun. Um, we have a harder time now playing games, whether it's pick up sticks or playing with Play-Doh, you know, Barbara doesn't seem to have the same attention for it or interest. But well, and, and that, that kind of goes into my area of films and photographs and things like that, which I know early on are a tangible connection to right. her life and past. And at this point, I'm sure don't have the same relevance. Except that, interesting that you say it, you know, we have a big bowl of photographs mm. that running the risk that they will be torn or stuck together, they are endlessly interesting to Barbara. She is always looking at these photographs and they're photographs of family and friends. And uh, I still believe a very worthwhile activity is um, putting together you know, looking through photo albums and the like. Less interesting than maybe before, but still interesting. And yeah. still one of the activities that we do. We look through our wedding album. Uh, you know, we look through other family albums. We look through pictures of trips that we've taken. Um, uh, as I say, less salient than maybe before, but still important. So at the end of the day, constructing that game plan uh, with, you know, some real deliberation beforehand and one that changes over time is something that is designed to both engage Barbara. It has fewer activities, but more activities that she enjoys, clearly. And they're all activities that uh, are uh, I enjoy also to my advantage, which is really... <clears throat> so it takes us to the other part of game plan, which is really self-care um, and which is equally important. The care that I'm providing to my partner 
to whom I'm, I'm very committed and obviously have been, I have recognized. And this is in part with, at the urging of my daughters that uh, need to make sure I'm taking care of myself. And uh, which means understanding as best I can my condition. So for example, they made sure that I was getting some help that gave me some respite during the week, which I've done, recognizing that a number of people listening may not even be able to hire somebody as I've done for, you know, 30 hours a week for five days. Um, but it's been extremely helpful and I went without it for 13 years. Uh, second, you know, they wanted me to go to a shrink and uh, to any psychiatrist or therapist out there, I don't mean to <laughs> yeah. devalue you by my casual, uh, you know, assigned name to your practice. But uh, so that I could understand my feelings because they felt that I wasn't really dealing with my feelings. Well, I did go and I found that it was really interesting and helpful. Even the idea uh, that this uh, psychiatrist, uh, who was great, got me to say out loud that I was lonely. Hmm. Uh, well, that's not something that I ever really chose to identify to myself. And yeah. uh, having done that, you know, he would then say, so what are you going to do about it? Hmm. And which was another thing my daughter said, which is, uh, Dad, you have to get out. You have to meet people. Which you is another to, part of mindset and game plan. And game plan. And networks. And networks, which we've yet to get into. Right. So that was hugely important. Uh, so getting back to winning or success, mm -hmm. uh, and again, the, the long-term game plan is just the um, betterment of your lives and the enrichment of your experience. And I'm... I'm I'm interested in the daily winning on a daily basis. And I think that's where Sharegiver Solutions distinguishes itself is that we will help the Sharegiver get through the day well and the week and the month and the year and time passes quickly. What is your, what would be a successful day? How do you win a day? When do, do you at the end of a day ever think like, wow, that was a great day? And if you do, what would that day have encompassed? Uh, that's an interesting question. I think I do go through that process. Uh, um, and it actually reminds me of one other thing that I should mention about game plan, both in terms of caring for my partner as, for, as well as myself, is I keep a journal. Mm. And so at the end of the day, even when I'm tired... I reserve some time to just evaluate the day. Re reflect. And reflect on it and what was important, which is, I think, hugely important mm. because I believe to the extent you see yourself in the middle of your own story, and let's face it, this is a dramatic story. Yeah. And my life is different than it was. To the extent I see myself in the middle of that tale that's going to be told someday is still happening, then the more likely I'm going to live it well. I'm more conscious of it. I'm more conscious of my desire 
to flourish in this life, not just get along. So that also organizes my mind about it. But I would say what determines whether it was a good day or not is uh, reflecting on how I acted, you know, uh, with my partner. You know, was there a point that, you know, I got upset, which still will happen? Was there something I did that was innovative that was really cool? I got to do that again, which often is the way we have conversations now and the way I act as a surrogate for, you know, either myself in the same conversation or Barbara. So, you know, reflect on those things of what worked and also how I feel. And uh, how I feel is often directly connected, not just to how it went with Barbara, but what what I learned that day or who I spoke with, or maybe I had lunch with somebody or even dinner. You know, I sort of have a Thursday night that is sort of in my parallel life, having my own evening where, you know, I have somebody that will stay late. Um, These are things that, you know, make life richer for me well i know we've spoken about and and i it again it relates to mindset and game plan and networks um the things that what does success look like for you what are the things that will make you successful what are the things that will appear as failures that you'd like to avoid yeah um i I think uh, I would say that's worthy of a, uh, almost a separate its podcast own episode, in itself. I'm sure. But, uh, you know, I would say it all comes from the, the way we act and the way we guide somebody as a shareguiver all has to be from some sense of purpose. There's just that sort of mm. an irreducible element. And, and, you know, when we can really identify that, and uh, feel it, then it's much easier to think about those things that uh, enable, that, that are driven by that sense of purpose and uh, enable the, the success that comes out of that sense of purpose. And that reminds me of something we've spoken of that I, I think it's important to mention and, and it kind of harkens back to what I've done. And I've worked with many people over the years who are in difficult situations, many of them in debilitating physical situations, um, PTSD situations, Mm. situations of loss. And what I've learned from experts and from having interviewed so many people is that when things are at their darkest and lowest, and arguably uh, this can be one of those situations if you allow it, what I've learned as as not necessarily a, an antidote, but essentially that's what it is, is understanding that there are a lot of other people in that situation or in worse, more difficult situations that you can help. And that has been uh, embedded in my mind as a way of dealing with uh, trauma is that other people are suffering and you may be able to help. Right. Uh, it's very and that's powerful. what Sharegiver Solutions wants to yeah, do. sharing. And, and I, I think this is a great point that we can conclude with. But um, I think it's pretty clear that when you are giving, when you are sharing something, you're feeling better, you know? Yeah. Even, uh, even giving to somebody that you don't like or really pisses you off 
you find if you can give something to that person, it almost invariably comes back. It improves it. And um, one aspect of game plan to conclude that I think is of critical importance is part of the game plan is taking care of yourself specifically, that doing those things that would prevent you from getting sick, hmm. like the person you're taking care of, which is eating properly and, and getting exercise and getting restful sleep and managing your stress and nourishing your cognition. These are things that can be... Not to mention your emotional state, having conversations. Right. These are interactions that can be practiced, that are health-inducing, that are inflammation-reducing, you know, yeah. that great boogeyman. That's... And uh, not just taking care of yourself, but as a caregiver, practicing this with others, young people, your kids, your nieces and nephews, again, trying to avoid being too dogmatic about it, but sharing what you now understand is ways to not just live healthful, more healthfully for its own sake, but preventing the onset of these kind of uh, you know, disabilities. And so uh, I think there is something really powerful about sharegiving that turns you into somebody that's taking care of yourself and also being a great advocate for others. Well, that should be part of the game plan. Yeah, well, two words, one you've mentioned, one we haven't really spoken about, are passion and purpose. Purpose right. is a powerful, powerful force. And passion is what we all strive to right. uh, empower ourselves with and convey to others. So passion and purpose. <laughs> Reminds me of a boss I once had that said the three Ps were really important. Passion, purpose, and getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway well there are a lot of different forms of uh, compensation correct gratification certainly one of them correct feeling good about yourself sense of accomplishment happiness yeah. happiness well let's leave it there okay okay thanks everybody hi thanks so much for joining us today for the share giving podcast to speak about game plan there are over 15 million family members in the United States caring for a loved one with dementia. And to go into each day or week or month or the whole situation without a game plan makes a difficult situation extremely challenging. So thanks for listening. We hope it helps. There's certainly more information and we plan to present it. And you can also find additional materials on the website at ShareGiverSolutions.com. Please tell your friends, again, particularly those who are caring for a family member with dementia. And remember, sharing is the way of caring. Can I get an amen? Come on, brother, let's sing it. Amen. 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 Sing it one more time now. Amen. Amen. Amen.